We are going to take just a little bit of a different direction tonight than our regular Focus 52. I felt like this was the direction the Lord was leading us to tonight. If there's anything that I've always wanted this local assembly to be known for, uh, it is that we are a house of prayer. I want this to be a house of prayer. Amen. I want a pastor praying people because I don't think we realize how closely uh, we are to the power and the, the art of prayer, if I could say that like that, uh, the power and art of prayer being lost completely because there is a vast difference in what some would call prayer today and what we called a prayer life when I was a kid. And it's something that we can't afford to lose. It's the power of prayer that changes things. And uh, I'm going to read one verse to you tonight. It's not going to take very long at all. Matter of fact, this is one of the shortest verses in the Bible. It is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 17. And I've had people ask me many times in my life, how do you do this? What's like, how, how do you even do this? It doesn't even sound real. It's like it's impossible to do. How do you do that? And uh, I'm going to try to help you answer the question tonight. How do you do this? First Thessalonians 5 and 17. You don't even need your reading glasses. If you can make out the first word and the last word, the only thing you got is one in the middle. So you're going to get pretty close. Let's read it together. Pray without ceasing. Can we do it one more time? Pray without ceasing. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Thank you for standing tonight. I want to talk to you about developing an attitude of prayer. Developing an attitude of prayer. I'm probably going to be a little teachy tonight. Unless something just gets me real excited. But I feel like I need to teach to you. I need to get something in your soul tonight. I want to tell you that I've never... Now, this is going to surprise you. I've never gone to prayer in my life by what I didn't feel my flesh buckle up. Never. I'm talking about in the midst of powerful revivals, in the midst of moves of God, not once you get in the flow, but just trying to get to the flow. I've never got down one time in my life by what I thought, this feels awkward, feels strange. Sometimes you come into a room, you're all by yourself, and you just try to start a conversation. How do you, what, what's this all about? And I want to tell you the reason why. It's because prayer is the most contrary thing you'll ever do to your flesh. Your flesh is going to fight you. Now, I know we like to blame a lot of things on the devil. But blessed be his name. The devil is not my biggest problem. He's not. If the devil was our biggest problem, we'd already have this thing whooped, and I think the Lord would have come back. The scripture tells us that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. What's he accusing us of? He's accusing us of what our flesh let us do. That means all he can do is just constantly remind us of how far we've fallen or how much we failed. Now, this is probably going to make somebody pass out next to you tonight, so get ready. I hope you got a sniffing stick to wake people up. 
The devil cannot make you sin. Man, we made it. Nobody passed out. The devil cannot make you sin. As badly as you would like to be able to blame him for it, the devil cannot make you sin. Pastor, why are you starting off with this? Because I also want to tell you the Holy Ghost won't make you pray. You look at some people and you, you just know there's something different about them. And because there's no real other way to describe them, we just say, they're like kind of more spiritual than other people. What's that mean? This is part of the subculture of Pentecost that I reference often in our little subculture. We have tagged phrases and things that we say. And you talk about old sister so-and-so, you say, man, that's a spiritual lady. What's that mean? Why is she a spiritual lady? Because we're all made of three parts. Body, soul, and spirit. So why are you any more spiritual than I am? We're all body, soul, and spirit. What makes somebody more spiritual? When you look at them and you know they just walk different. They've got a different walk with God. They're not your average Christian. I don't even know what that is. I'm not sure how you can be average when you've been born again and bought by the blood of Jesus. But you look at people and you just know there's something. As a matter of fact, this may kind of make others feel a little disappointed. But there's some folks that when I'm in a bind, I'm going to be more apt to call them to pray for me first. Don't be offended by that. We're not going to cancel prayer. Praise God. My goodness. We're canceling everything. That's why I'm teaching on prayer tonight. Because we're not going to cancel prayer. Come on, somebody. Lord, have mercy. We got rid of Speedy Gonzalez and Pepe Le Pew this week. Let's keep prayer in the pew. What do you say? This whole world's canceling itself is what it's doing. It's canceling itself. And the problem is, is the church is letting the church cancel itself. We're falling to the same tactics that this world is doing. I want you to look at somebody tonight and tell them you've you got to have an attitude of prayer. I've had people ask me, what, what's the Bible mean when it says pray without ceasing? You just walk around all the time saying prayer words? Like, how do you do that? Jesus said, watch and pray. That means you pray with your eyes open, right? What? That's not what it means. That was a bad time to say amen. amen. Watch and pray means be sure... That you're vigilant, that you're sober. He said the same thing in Peter. Your adversary, the devil, he's watching you, so you got to watch him. That don't mean be sure the whole time you're walking around that you're looking. Amen. So how do I pray without ceasing? I know some folks that think this means you walk around floating six inches off the ground, walking through Walmart, talking in tongues. You've seen those people, they get the squint eye and they're... You watch them the whole service, and they just got the bop bop going. Yeah, bop 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 bop. They hadn't said anything. They just bop 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 bop. Is that praying without ceasing? No, that's the bop bop. It's not praying without ceasing. Prayer does not begin in a prayer room. Prayer does not begin at an altar. Prayer begins in your mind. 
begins when you start developing an attitude of prayer. It is a mindset. If you're a prayer warrior, you don't wake up one day and say, today is the day I'm a prayer warrior. And from there on, just because you spoke it and you said it, or as the TV land preachers like to talk about, it's a little blab it and grab it. You don't just blab it and say, I'm a prayer warrior, and then you're a prayer warrior. It begins with an attitude of prayer. Some folks say, how in the world do you pray an hour, Pastor? How do you pray two hours, Pastor? How, how in the world do you get in seasons of prayer and pray for three or four hours? Because you can't pray for five hours if you don't pray for five minutes. We look at the big pictures like, how are we going to win the whole world? You're going to do it by your neighbor. You're going to do it with your cousin. You're going to do it with your sister, with your brother. You're going to win the world one person at a time. You've heard the old analogy, how do you eat an elephant? See, you guys are better preachers than you thought you were. How do you get a prayer life? It's one thought process at a time. So when you have an attitude of prayer, it doesn't matter if it's 3 a.m. or 3 p.m. It doesn't matter what time you get on the prayer uh, clock, around the clock to pray. It doesn't matter what time you're on the chain. It doesn't matter if the Lord wakes you up out of sleep. When you have an attitude of prayer... It doesn't feel awkward when you feel the Holy Ghost wake you up. You don't have to say, what are you doing, Lord? You know what he's doing. Because you have an attitude of prayer. Now, we're going to have a moment of transparency here tonight. How many of you will say, let's just, let's try to make this easy, okay? So nobody feels like we're canceling you. I want to be sure tonight, if there's anybody in here that when you first started trying to pray, for an hour, you had a hard time. Okay? That's good. How many of you feel like sometimes you get to that awkward moment that if you don't have music playing in your ears, you can't pray? Right? Why is that? It's because we're trying to put the car in drive and we haven't even turned the key on. You're trying to jump into... A conversation with the Lord. There's always certain people that, that are around that, you know, just kind of like up in your face. You know, they're just different kind of people that there's no hello, how you doing? It's like you just walk in there like, hey, I'm blah, 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 blah. And they start telling you what, what needs to be done and all that. You're like, well, man, you're going to have to chill. I don't have any coffee in me yet. <laughs> Somebody say amen or oh me if you identify with what I'm saying. It's like you're trying to wake up and they're like, Hey, I don't know what you got on your, on your plans today, what you got to do on your calendar today, but this is what's going on, this is what we got to do. And I'm like, whoa, hey, we need about 15 steps back here, just a second. And, I, and I'm not talking about my wife. She's, she drinks coffee before I do. I want to I tell, tell you something, church family. That's the way the Lord feels. I want you to think about our prayer time. I want you to think about how we approach God in prayer. Most of the time we get started by saying, Lord, I love you and I need you and I need you to move on this and I need you to work on that and God, you know so-and-so today. Like, that's how we greet him. It's like the first thing on our mind in prayer is what he can do for me. And then we wonder why we're struggling in an hour because, I mean, you can only ask for so much. By the time you get done asking for your third and fourth and fifth and sixth cousin, you're like, good grief, I don't even know if they're still alive. They haven't been to a family reunion in 15 years. I don't even know if they're still alive. And I'm asking God for things for them. And it's frustrating. 
and it locks you up. So here's what happens. I'm going I'm to say this. It's going to sound like I'm a prophet, been watching your prayer life, and I haven't. It's because we're both human. After a while, when you get frustrated in your prayer life, then what it does is you're frustrated because prayer felt awkward today, so it's more difficult tomorrow and you don't come back to it. And the next thing you know, you were trying to be a three-hour prayer guy and you're struggling with 15 minutes. You are not super spiritual because you pray three hours a day. But you do pray three hours because you're super spiritual. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not saying three hours is the minimum prayer for everybody. I know some of your heart just started beating. You're like, oh, God, I'm going to hell for sure. <laughs> don't, don't be running off and leaving me yet, church family. It's not time to pronounce judgment. <laughs> oh, my God. I know, I know some of you. I know the way you work. I've known you many years. Some of you started at it. Well, I ate three meals. I prayed about 65 seconds per meal. So... Started adding it up. Now, if I pray tonight before bed, I get a little bit. I mean, I'm nowhere close to three hours, but it's getting better. <laughs> An attitude of prayer is so very powerful. If you're going to have a powerful prayer life, you've got to have an attitude of prayer. How do I pray without ceasing? What that simply means, explained to you in layman's terms, is that prayer is never far from you. You're always in the condition that you can pray at any time that you need to pray. The word of the Lord tells us in Acts the 10th chapter in the second verse about a man named Cornelius. He's the first Gentile that is converted into the truth. Now I want you to take note here. Did I, is it that bad I made your nose run? I want you to take note right here. What it says about Cornelius. Does Cornelius have all the truth yet, folks, in the second verse? No? He hasn't been converted yet? So what's it say? He's a devout man. He feared God with all his house. He gave much alms to the people. Now this, this will mess with you. And he prayed to God always. Didn't even have truth. And he prayed all the time. Cornelius prayed all the time. How in the world do you pray always, Pastor? I don't understand. How do you pray without ceasing? What this is saying is that Cornelius had an attitude of prayer. It's the spiritual mind versus the carnal mind. The mind that is spiritual is life. The mind that is carnal, your Bible said, is death. It's the carnal mind that is enmity with God. It's striving against the nature of God. So you can imagine that if Cornelius prayed to God always, do you all believe tonight that after he got the Holy Ghost and became a good old Pentecostal, that once he got the Holy Ghost, he didn't have to pray as much anymore? That seems to be the rules of the 21st century church. We pray and seek and seek and seek and seek and then we get the Holy Ghost and we stop praying. You watch folks that are born again and right after they're born again they're on fire and they're ready. The quickest way to grow a church is to get new converts because new converts 
go get new converts. They're excited about their conversion. And they're excited about prayer. And they're always going after it. Oh, God, i got to get somebody. The Lord's good. How do you take that away from them? About four or five good years. They start fitting right into the subculture of Christianity. Boy, it just got quiet all up in here right now. It's amazing how we get to the place that God's saving grace is just for the saved. We get satisfied with just occupying a pew to the coming of the Lord. And so our prayer is wrapped around a few minutes before church, maybe a Thursday night here and there, if we make it to Thursday night prayer meeting. But I'm going to tell you, I've had people say to me before, now this is going to be just a little bit tight. I'm going to pass to you for a minute. I've had people say to me, Pastor, I have a hard time praying Thursday night when I come to prayer meeting. Now, I don't mean this ugly at all, but I'm going to tell you why you have trouble on Thursday night. It's because you had trouble on Tuesday night and Friday night and Saturday night. If it's awkward to pray, it's going to be awkward no matter who's around. Amen? And so, when you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it starts to reprogram your mind. Now, I'm going to make this disclaimer right here. That's if you got the Holy Ghost. I believe, now, this is going to be contrary to some mindsets, but I'm telling you folks, there are some that claim they have truth that are preaching a different kind of Holy Ghost than the Holy Ghost I got. I'm just being honest with you. They're saying they're spirit-filled, but nothing's changed. They're saying they're spirit-filled, but there's no power. I believe when you get the Holy Ghost, it'll change you. I believe when you get the Holy Ghost, it's so good, you're going to want to keep the Holy Ghost. I don't believe the Holy Ghost gets old with time. I don't believe the Holy Ghost is something you just discard. The Holy Ghost is something you want to throw away. The Holy Ghost is good enough that when you get it, it'll change your life and you want to keep it. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I've had people ask me before. They said, you believe that it's essential to speak in tongues every day? And I, I don't really have a good answer for that because the only way I can answer that is with a question. Like, Why wouldn't you? And it always comes back to that thing that I'm constantly teaching you about. Do you believe if I don't speak in tongues every day, I'm going to go to hell? Why? What's that got to do with anything? It's the most precious gift that God has given us. Why would you not want to exercise that every single day? Oh, Pastor, I just don't believe it's necessary for me to speak in tongues and pray in the Holy Ghost every day. Then I would question whether or not you have it. Because it feels so good. It feels so good. I want to pray in the Holy Ghost every day. Now, y'all might get uncomfortable right here just a little bit. So, it's all right. I got anybody in here that was a cusser back in the day? Woo-wee, Lord Jesus. Let me ask y'all something now. How many of you started cussing when you were a kid? Okay. Now, the first few times you cussed, you kind of got that weird feeling in your throat like I probably shouldn't have said that. Cuss a few more times, it gets a little bit easier. By the time you're a full-grown cusser, 
You don't even have to think about it no more. You listen to people talk and they say things that if you try to make sense out of it in the English language, it's like, I, I'm sorry. You, just, you don't make any sense. They start talking about all kinds of crazy stuff and just cussing. And here's what you know, okay? Now I'm fixing to mess with you. Here's what you know. If their mouth's engaged, their brain's probably not. Was that too hard? You can just hear it, man. It's like it just rolls off of them. They don't, it's, it's just blankety-blank this and blankety-blank that. I, and and, and they'll, come, they'll come up to me and start telling me a story. So, you know, man, I'm going to tell you this blankety-blank. And then they'll go, oh, I forgot you're a pastor. I'm like, no, you didn't, you didn't forget I was a pastor. You just don't have to think about cussing. It's just part of who you are. And after a while, that language just becomes a part of what you do. It's second nature to you. And that's what an attitude of prayer is. You get to the place where it's on your mind so much that when you start to pray, like you didn't have to get that cranked up and get it started. Woo! Did pastor really just compare cussing to praying? It's amazing what you do. Somebody say habits. You ever seen people that don't even want a cigarette? They just take one because that's what they've been doing? It's not that they want one to light one off the other one. It's just like that's just what they do. And then, and then, and then they'll have these. Now, I don't know if 100% of people do, but all of them that I talk to, they'll, they'll, they'll say, and eventually you have this conversation in your head like, do I even want this thing? Any, any old smokers know what I'm talking about? You light another one, claps them jaws in. Now, I'm just going to tell you all something right now. I'm going to be real. I'm, this is probably going to hurt somebody's feelings, but it tickles me to death. It tickles me to death when I see people pull their teeth out to suck on a cigarette. And you know they're wearing it out when their chin just about touches their nose. And they wonder why in the world they don't have anything left. One of the greatest days in my life was the day this tobacco store closed next door to us. Oh, God, I was grateful. Because I got so tired of folks lying to me saying I don't have any money and watching them throw a whole carton through the window of their car on their way to talk to me. Like, that was $17. I'm talking about in the 90s, folks. What I want to know is, how do y'all know how much they still are? See, y'all walked right into my trap right there, and you didn't even know. Man, that was awesome. If anybody's curious, that right there was reverse psychology 101. Sam Tina, they're more than that, they're $32. Understand me when I tell you that habits are hard to break. And prayer is difficult to break when it becomes a habit in your life. I know it's hard for you to imagine while you're still struggling to get into prayer 
15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. But listen to pastor when I tell you that when prayer becomes like oxygen to you, like oxygen to your lungs, you got to breathe in like you don't think about it anymore. There's nothing about your body that reminds you every 15 to 35 seconds, breathe in. You know when you breathe in? When your body says you need to breathe in. I'm up here talking 742 words a second, and I don't ever think about when I'm breathing. It just happens. And I don't think about it when I'm in an attitude of prayer. It's something that happens in your mind before it ever comes out of your mouth. You develop an attitude of prayer through the subconscious mind. In other words, you're always in the frame of mind to pray. When you have developed an attitude of prayer, what it simply means, and this is the easiest way I know to live holy, is that it's constantly on your mind. You are constantly concerned about what God thinks in this moment. An attitude of prayer is not just, oh God, I love you, thank you, Jesus. Oh my Lord, God, I thank you, Lord. An attitude of prayer is, is this pleasing to God? An attitude of prayer is that he's constantly on my mind. I know, I know, I know that sin is easy for us because that's our old nature. But when you begin to replace that nature... It's going to be very difficult for you to bypass that attitude of prayer to get to that old man because something's going to check you and say, you know better than this. Why? Because you're now God conscious and you're thinking constantly, what does God think about that? I can tell when people start praying because they start doing things they've never heard me preach about. I've watched people and I know, I know they... There's folks that look at it and say, oh, it's just legalism, it's crazy. If it's just crazy legalism, I want to know then why in the world do people do it before they ever hear me preach it? I was, I was talking to my girls this morning at home, and like this is just a little rabbit trail, but I, I want to te- tell you all how, how this, this world is loco. It's crazy. So, in Pentecost... It's always been that our women dress different. They dress holy. They put on a dress and they don't mess with their hair. They, you know, they just, they live different. Now, listen. I've been raising this all my life and I've had people say it's nothing but legalism. Well, you're welcome to call it what you want to. But there's a fad going around right now that is, quite frankly, one of the most atrocious things that, that we're going to have to deal with in the 21st century church. And it's transgenderism. And I want to ask y'all a question tonight. If, if it's only legalism that our ladies look like ladies, then why is it that the first thing a man does that wants to identify as a woman is put on a dress and grow his hair? Does that make any sense at all? It's like, no, you guys are legalists. But if I want the world to think that I'm a woman, I mean, we used to be able to just talk about the bathroom signs because you knew it was a woman without reading it because it had the woman with the dress. Now they just do the dress and the slant and the whatever you want to do. 
I had the craziest dream the other night, and I'm not going to go into it, but I was, telling, I was telling somebody off. I saw a man that I knew was a man come out of a woman's bathroom, and I said, you better be glad my wife wasn't in there. And right, this dream was so real. And right after I said that, Brother Horner, my wife walked out of the bathroom. It's a good thing the Lord let me wake up. Good thing for whatever that was I was talking to. I'm just telling you, the Holy Ghost, when you're constantly asking God, what do you think about this? It'll make you start doing things that you're like, I've never heard that taught in my life. But why does that feel odd to me to do that now? I, I can't put that in my body anymore. I can't put that on my body. I, it's like... I almost don't feel like I'm my own anymore. And that's before you've ever heard it preached. You are not your own. You've been born with a price. You belong to Jesus. There's a reason why you don't want to do what you used to do and go where you used to go. You belong to him. I'd like to go to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. I want to tell you, it's not only just constantly being concerned about what God thinks, but it's meditating on what, what response you got from that. God, what do you think about it? And then you feel that gentle nudge in the Holy Ghost, and you stay there and you dwell on that for a little bit. And I hadn't even prayed yet. This is just the attitude of prayer. I hadn't even prayed. My mind's just thinking, God, does this please you? Now, maybe I'm over-analytical, but when I get that general response from the Lord where I know it's contrary or whatever it is, then I start thinking about that. I'm, med- I'm like, why? Why do I feel this way? Meditation is the fertilizing ground for the seed that's been planted in that attitude of prayer. It's where the Lord plants that seed in my spirit and I meditate on that. And I think on that. And I know it's of the Lord, so when I lay down at night, it's like I think about it. And sometimes the devil will try to tell you, you're not holy enough, you're not good enough. And you lay in bed and you wrestle with that old voice for just a minute and then you think about where you could have been. And you think of how far the Lord's brought you. And then all of a sudden you realize it's just a lie from the devil. And you start being able to understand the difference in the voices. And that voice of God that you've been talking to and speaking about and thinking about all day long. He starts talking to you and you meditate on that. And you say, Lord, it's not because I'm perfect, but you loved me while I was yet a sinner. And I meditate on that. Sometimes I have a hard time not worrying. I think it was handed down to me from my mother's side. We're natural worriers. Papa used to, used to tell me all the time when I'd say, man, I had a, had a rough night last night. And he'd, well, you got that from me. I'm like, well, then my mom got it from you. But, you know, my, my dad, now I'm not saying he, he don't have restless nights. Everybody does, but my, my dad's geared a little different than me. Because we'll have them long nights like that, and you'll get up, and he'll say, what's wrong with you? And I was up all night last night. Why? I don't know. 
I've heard him a million times in my life. Now, for those of you that think that was actually a million, I don't know that it's a million. It's been a lot of times. He's saying, just go to sleep. Well, I wish it was that easy. Some people are smart, Alex, and you can't fix it. <laughs> Meditation. Now, when we read that word in the scripture, I know some of us think that means you got to sit down on the, on the ground yoga style, put one foot on top of your knee, put your hands up in the air and start him humming. No. What the scripture's talking about when you're meditating is what is it that is soaking in your brain right now? What, what is that that's in your thoughts? It is, it's like it's been injected in your thought process and you can't, you can't get it out. What is it? I want to tell you that this chapter right here will start messing with you. This one right here tears me up from the floor. I pray this one all the time. I pray a diagram of my body. I just, you'd laugh at my artwork because I'm not an artist. But I got it drawn out. I'll be glad to show you sometime if you want to see the diagram of my body. It's just a stick guy. And I start at the top of my head and I pray all the way down to the soles of my feet and everything in the middle. When I get to my brain, I spend some time on that puppy. God, I need you to touch my mind. I want my mind to be right. I, I spend some time on my mind and I go through it. And this right here is exactly what I pray. And I, I take this scripture in 4 and 8 and I apply it directly to my heart. Why? Because it's developing an attitude of prayer. And I take the word of God and I make it mine. Instead of just reading it like a text, I pray it. I say, God, I want you to help me today to do whatever I have to do to think on things that are true. Whatever I need to do, God, whatsoever thing there is that is honest and is just and if it's pure... Help me to think on it. You can spend some time in that. Because if it's pure, that means you can't think of what's impure. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying it's really, really hard to be meditating on the Lord and meditating on adultery. Is that all right? Bing. Sometimes it just gets quiet. You can't meditate on winning and losing at the same time. That's why it's good when you get to praying, God, help me to think on whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things, Lord, are holy. Whatsoever things are lovely. Now, this one is a hard one to pray if you don't mean it. Help me to think on the good report. Anybody here got a bad report this week? Don't raise your hand. Ain't nothing that will stay in your mind like a bad report. Get stuck in your mind and just stay right there. But it's hard to think about the bad report when you're constantly saying, I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. The report of the Lord says I'm healed. The report of the Lord says I'm filled. It doesn't matter what man says about me. I believe the report of the Lord. I'm going to think on these things. If there be any virtue and there be any praise, think on these things. Now you're developing an attitude of prayer because you jump from 
that scripture and it brings another scripture to your mind and you start thinking about the, there be any virtue and any praise and then you start thinking about I'm going to bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth Lord I want your praise to be here because there's not room for praise and doubt on the same tongue and so you're developing the attitude of prayer now it's not so awkward when I come in to prayer it's not like I just sit down and start thinking about what am I going to say now because I've been thinking about it all day when I wake up in the morning. The first thing on my mind is prayer. I don't know, I don't know about y'all, but when I wake up first thing in the morning, it's the first thing on my mind. God, thank you that my eyes just came open. Thank you that you let spirit enter back into my body. I thank you, I thank you today, Lord. I thank you. I don't always get up and vocalize and dance and shout and speak in tongues around the room and wake my wife up. But I can't tell you. I cannot tell you. How many days in my life that it is absolutely a vocal praise that I get up and I say, I thank you, Jesus. I put my feet on the floor and they're both working. Like, Lord, I want to thank you for that. That's an attitude of prayer. I didn't have to say, now what could I say to the Lord right now? You understand what I'm saying? Developing the attitude of prayer. And if your hour of prayer or your, your prayer closet time is the first time you've prayed that day, no wonder it feels awkward. Because what happens is when you get an attitude of prayer, you start meditating on prayer all day long. Is this biblical? It is biblical. Look at Psalms, the first chapter. And it tells us, Psalms chapter 1 and verse number 1. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And when it's convenient, he'll stop and think about it. What's it say? It's day and night. You are not a weirdo because you want to think on the goodness of the Lord all day long. And I'm going to tell you what, there are some, you ever see them, uh, them commercials about prescriptions? They say there may be side effects. By the time they're done, you're like, forget it. When they get done with that list of side effects, and you're like, well, wonder where would I do that? I'm going to tell you all something. There are side effects to an attitude of prayer. There are. You can't help but do it and bear fruit. Oh, my, my, my. I may need to do a little bit of teaching right here. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Verse 3. What's it do when he meditates day and night? It's going to make him like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. He's going to be a fruit-bearing tree. When it's his season to bear fruit, he's going to bear fruit. You don't worry about that man because his leaf is not going to wither. And whatsoever he doeth, it shall prosper. Pastor, you can't preach fake prosperity. It's not fake prosperity when you've got an attitude of prayer because you've been asking the Lord every step of the way, does this please you? God, is this what you want from my life? And you're not going back and fixing where you got off the wrong trail. You just keep on walking in that attitude of prayer. I want to please you today, Lord. What can I do? And all of a sudden you realize I got roots and my roots are deeper than they've ever been. 
I'm not just waiting on the rain of the next revival. I've been planted by the rivers of living water and I plan on bearing fruit. I plan on bearing fruit. So before you ever learn to pray, before you ever learn how to pray, you've got to have the attitude of prayer. Because prayer is not birthed out of just a session of what do I say. It's birthed out of being led by the Spirit. And I'm going to talk to you about something that maybe you haven't thought about. I believe you need, I believe you need a season of prayer every day. But I want to tell you what an attitude of prayer will do for you. It will create what I like to call gleaning prayers. Short prayers. It's amazing what an attitude of prayer does for these little short prayers. My kids, growing up, they don't, they don't hardly say anything about it anymore because they're just used to it. Their dad's a weirdo. But they can tell you that many, many times driving down the road, Bishop, just for no reason at all, none whatsoever, I say, God, I love you today. I praise you and I thank you today. For what, like what just happened to make you do that? Nothing. It's just a gleaning prayer. It's a, sh- it's a short prayer. Now, I know some of y'all think I'm, I'm, I'm crazy. I'm going to let you in on my, my private world right here just a little bit. But when my body is working the way that it should work. I, I know this may sound crazy to you. I'm just telling you how your pastor is. I'm I'm grateful. When I need to use the restroom and my body's working and, and I get hunger pangs in my stomach and all of that is working the way it's supposed to, I just say, God, I, I want to thank you that my body's working right. I, I, I thank you. I, Lord, I thank you that I'm thirsty because my body's letting me know right now I need something to drink. I thank you that my body still lets me know i got to use the restroom. I, I, I could spend my life hooked up to a machine. Now, I hope it's not too uncomfortable for you. I'm talking about short and gleaning prayers. I'm talking about when you, when you get that feeling in your stomach like, I'm starving to death and I'm going to die, and you realize you're only on your fourth hour of a fast. <laughs> it's so funny. My kids could lay in bed all day long, not do anything, but on, on fast day on Wednesday, oh, yeah. They're coming out on Wednesday. It's like the only day of the week they care about breakfast. It's like, let breakfast come and go. That's fine. But it's fast there. Like, Dad. Can we go to Sophie's? No, it's Wednesday. (laughs) And I I really, I'm being honest with you. When my body starts responding like that, I tell the Lord, thank you. I'm, th- I'm, I'm thankful that when I get too close to something that's hot, and it, it burns. Lord, thank you. I'm thankful that my body has a natural response. That I know. I, I'm thankful that I know when my body's out of alignment. And I need to go to the chiropractor. I'm glad that I know that. I'm thankful that my body works. And it's these short and gleaning prayers. It will amaze you what it does for you. Because it's like every time the thought comes to your mind about prayer because you're developing an attitude of prayer and the thought comes to you, 
you realize as a child of God, you don't have to wait. I need, I need those long seasons of prayer every day, but I don't have to wait. When I feel the goodness of the Lord come on me, I can just say, thank you, Jesus. My kids can testify. When I see people that are, that, that, that are in a terrible situation and whatever, in wheelchairs or have missing limbs or whatever, I'll say, girls, we're blessed. We ought to give God praise and thanks for that right now. It's a, it's a, it's a short prayer. That makes a difference. Does that mean you're never going to face anything like that? No, but it lets God know that at least you don't take it for granted. And you're thankful. You're thankful for where you are. Now, what kind of short and gleaning prayer can you pray? You can pray things that are simple. I love you, Jesus. I want to please you, Lord. I want the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be acceptable in thy sight. You can pray the word. You can pray it shortly. God, I just want to thank you for health and life and strength. This is a Judy St. Clair special. I've heard it a quadrillion times. Thank you for health and life and strength. I've heard it all my life. Thank you for health and life and strength. What's that mean? All the above. Thank you for health. Thank you for life. Thank you for strength. I've told the Lord before, Lord, if you let anything happen to me, you're going to miss hearing me. I want to talk to him so much that he said, I can't get rid of him yet. I, I need to hear from him. I'm telling you all the truth. I've told God, I, I want to stay in such a, a place of prayer that you don't want to get rid of me. I don't want you having to raise up somebody else that will praise you because i got to pray. Listen, he's going to get praise. He said, if I've got to make these rocks do it, I'm going to give me some praise. And you got to write every day to pray those good. God, I praise you. I want to thank you for health and life. I thank you for another day. I thank you that my lungs are working. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I can see. Lord, even if i got to put on some glasses, thank you that I could afford my glasses. Doesn't it feel good in here right now? See what happens when, you, when you're just thinking about this? The whole time I've been teaching, some of you have been thinking about how, how I can pray differently. What can I do differently? What, what can I do to make this happen? Prayer should be an automatic response for us that's just different. It, it's not like something we got to think about. I'm going to tell you when you're thankful for gleaning prayers and you're locked into an attitude of prayer is when you're driving down the road. Now, I don't know how your, your significant other does it. But I have made my wife pray many times in the car. My dad used to claim, and I don't know if it was true or not, he used to claim that in our crew cab dually we had pulling the travel trailer on the evangelistic field that there was a rut in the right side floor. I don't know. Because my mom was putting on brakes all the time, and that never changed. We just changed vehicles, and now she does it in any car he drives. But I'm going to tell you where gleaning prayers are powerful is when you don't have time to say anything else. Jesus. I could take you to the place where one night with me and my cousin Josh were in my pickup truck. I don't know if he would even remember this. It just started raining. The road got slick. My truck was a manual transmission. And I pushed in the clutch and hit the brakes. The light changed real fast and we slid through the intersection. And I went up on this little embankment. 
and the ruts from my tires, by all rights, I should have smoked the telephone pole. And it just went right on past. Because you don't, you don't always have time to say, no, Lord, I just want to thank you today for the sunshine, and I want to thank you for the rain, and I want to thank you for the problems, and I thank you for the pain. I just thank you, God, for everything I've been through. Sometimes you just need to, oh, Jesus! We need to thank the Lord that our babies are healthy and not just let him hear from us when they're sick. I thank the Lord. First time I saw my kids, I started giving God praise that they looked like their mama. When Lauren was born, she, she came out and all the Play-Doh had her ears stuck to the side of her face. I looked up and I said, oh, I hope it don't stay that way. And her little ear just flipped right up. And I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Y'all can think I'm crazy. As soon as they were born, I started counting one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. And I counted their fingers. One, two, three, four, five. I said, thank you, Jesus. The first words that all three of my children heard, other than the doctor talking, the first words they ever heard out of their daddy's mouth was, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. It's gleaning prayers that we can always have on our mind. Praying the prayer of faith does not always mean, tell me what's wrong. Call it out. Is it your spine? Which vertebrae is it? Sometimes you just got to say, in Jesus' name. And you got a right to do that. You got a right to call on the name of the Lord like that. It's like there's something about these prayers that if I could... Present it to you like this. I call these prayers like an appetizer. It gets you souped up and gets you ready for the main course. Whatever time you're going to pray in the day. When you've been praying them appetizer prayers all day, it's not hard for you to get in and start getting that filet mignon. See, now, now I've really got some attention that I didn't have 30 seconds ago. <laughs> Pastor, when should I pray? Okay, now this one's going to get uncomfortable. We're talking about an attitude of prayer. Everybody, Okay. I had, a, I had a, a, a pastor call me, and he said, bro, I need to pray more. I said, yeah, you do. <laughs> he said, I need to pray more. I said, yeah, we all do, man. I said, I just really struggle to, to get my, my prayer. I said, well, tell, tell me about it. Tell me how you, like, what do you mean you're having a hard time? He said, well, by the time I get home at night, that's when I try to get my prayer time in. I go in at night. And he said, man, I'm exhausted from work, and I'm, I'm just, I'm ready to go to bed. And I said, whoa, stop. Just figured it out. He said, oh, you did? I said, yeah, I did. He said, what, 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 well, tell me what it is. I said, you're giving him your leftovers. If you're coming in and your war slap out, you're giving God your leftovers. Now, we talk a lot about tithing and, and the law of first fruits. You don't give God 10% of your money. You give him the first 10. Somebody shout first. It's the first 10%. Before you give it to Uncle Sam or anybody else, God gets first. And I wonder what would happen to your attitude of prayer. If rather than God being the last thing 
Now, he should be the last thing on your mind. But what if he was the first and the last? What if your bedtime prayers were just the icing on the cake? Because you gave God first and then you sought him throughout the day with a mind of prayer and you had those gleaning prayers. Thank you for my health. Thank you, God. You walk into that job and you're a little bit frustrated and you say, Lord, I thank you for my job. God, this may not be where I want to be for the rest of my life, but thank you for providing for me. If we'll start learning the power of first. Oh, I wish I had time to teach this right now. The power of first with God. First. Well, pastor, I'm I'm on the prayer list right now, so I prayed a weird, weird time. That's okay. But he can still get first. Surely. That's not the only time you're going to praise just because, well, now I'm obligated on that list. No, 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 no. He needs first, and then keep your time on the list. But this is a powerful, powerful understanding of an attitude of prayer. I can't just think about it when I come to the prayer room. I've got to get myself in a place where I've been conditioning my mind all day, all night, throughout the week when I come in to prayer. Now, what happens when I'm constantly thinking, and I'm not going to be much longer, I'm coming to a close very quickly. What happens when I'm constantly thinking about prayer and it's constantly on my tongue, what happens? It makes it so much easier for me to enter into praise and fellowship with God. Because I've been mindful of that all day long. How many of you have ever had a bad day when you come into church? By the time you get to church, it's like you're fighting through your flesh just to get to worship in the song. I want to tell you something. If you'll get this attitude of prayer, that when you wake up in the morning, it's the first thing on your mind, you're talking to God all day long, and you start preparing and thinking about it, God, I can't wait to get to church tonight. I, I, I just can't wait to get to church tonight. You're not going to have to worry about getting here and being like, oh, man, I'm tired. I'm weird. I don't know what to do. When you've been talking to him all day, and he's saying, come on a little closer. Come on in here a little bit closer. It leads you to understanding of the power of praise and worship in a prayer closet by yourself. Those gleaning prayers you can do in front of your family. Deep worship you can do, but even if you're in a room full of people, you go by yourself. I mean, you can be surrounded by 100 people, but you go there by yourself. Bible said in Matthew 14 and 23 that when Jesus was going deep in prayer in the garden, he went by himself. It was a powerful moment of prayer. He also said that when you pray, you need to go into your closet and shut the door. What's that mean? What if you don't have a closet with a door on it? You can go into a closet right here. Shut everything else out and say, okay, God, it's just me and you. You can go deeper in prayer. Now we're going to do a little something, something here. Why do we have prayer together? Why do we have prayer meetings together? Why do we have the prayer room together? I'll show you something neat. Okay? We're just going to do a little experiment. Everybody okay? I'm about done. Okay. Jossie, can you help me? Just, you can stay right there. I just need you to help me. I want you to just say... Glory and honor to Jesus. Okay? Now I want all four of you girls to say the same thing together right now. Say glory and honor to Jesus. Okay? 
Now I want the four that's behind them right there, Sister Megan, Sister Morgan. You, I want you guys to say it together. Let the, let, let, let's add a little to it. Say, let there be glory and honor to Jesus, okay? See, y'all already quit praying on me on that second row right there. I need all of you right now. Go, go with me right here. All four of you girls and the four behind them, all right? Let there be. Let there be. Okay? Can y'all hear them over there? Yeah? Okay. Now y'all get ready, all right? Y'all just, I just want you to start saying that over and over. Let there be glory and honor to Jesus. Okay? Go. All right. Brother Jordan, Brother Stephen, y'all keep saying it. Why don't you say hallelujah? I praise you, Jesus. Right down through here, say it with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I praise you, Jesus. Come on, right here in this section. Hallelujah. All right. Y'all just keep that going. Right here, I just want you to say, thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, right here in this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Well, I'm already feeling something over in here right now. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Some of you think you're an experiment, but you're about to start feeling the Holy Ghost. Right here, I just want you to say thank you for health and life and strength. Come on. Thank you for health. Thank you for health and life and strength. Now, come on. Don't let him pray without you right now. Just lift your voice and say it with him. I want every single voice to be heard right now. Thank you, Jesus. Right here on this side, I just want you to say thank you for salvation, Lord. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for salvation. Now in your own way right now, I just want you to give him praise the way that only you know how to do it. Just open up your mouth. More than a clap right now. More than a clap right now. I just want you to, to say it. I want you to say it and don't worry about if people hear you or not. And I want you to watch what this room turns into right now. Come on, we're not praying no iPod prayers with a our headphones on. I want you to vocalize it right now. Mm. It starts to change the atmosphere of the room. Come on, just tell him, I thank you, Jesus, for your blood. There's nobody quiet in here right now. Just thank you, Jesus. Just like you're talking to pastor right now. Thank you, Jesus. Just tell him right now, I give you glory and honor, Lord. You're so beautiful to me, Father. I praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. As one voice right now, let's just declare, let there be glory and honor to Jesus. Let there be glory and honor to Jesus. Let there be glory and honor to Jesus. Let there be glory. Listen to this room right now. Can you imagine what the enemy feels about a praying church? Whether we're praying the same thing or we're giving God praise in our own way. There's power when we pray together. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What a mighty army, a mighty army. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Could we just declare his holiness together? Come on, as one body right now. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy. Suriababa Sondo Rabashai. My hallelujah belongs to you, Lord. Yes, 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 yes. My hallelujah belongs to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's fill this room with praise tonight. Let's just lift him up together. Hallelujah. That's beautiful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know how many of y'all ever did this when you were kids, when we play games, we would do this thing where one person would start clapping, and then before you know it, kind of the whole row starts clapping. Did y'all ever do that, and everybody starts clapping? That's what prayer does. When we come together on Thursday night, listen, I, I'm, I'm finished teaching, so you can stand. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that there's a difference in prayer and meditation. Me just sitting with my eyes closed and nothing coming out of my mouth is not prayer. It's meditation. When we come in here on Thursday nights, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night in the prayer room, if we'll open up our mouth and begin to pray, you, you realize this as you're praying. If, you, if you're a student of somebody, whether they know it or not, when that person that you like to hear pray walks in and starts praying, it makes it easier for you to pray. You just start praying. When you open up your mouth and you start praying, I'm going to tell you all something. There is nothing in this world like a power-packed praying church. And furthermore, there's no substitute for that. There's no substitute for that. If we're going to be a powerful force to be reckoned with in the end time, it's not going to be because our music is great. It's going to be because we're a praying church. A praying church. I want to tell you what just happened tonight. I just talked to you for, I don't know, probably 50 minutes, 45, 50 minutes about an attitude of prayer, and we never even talked about how to pray. We just talked about how to start thinking towards it. And there's a reason. If you can develop the attitude of prayer, then praying becomes so much easier. 
when you think about it and you start looking forward to it and it's part of what you're doing, you just watch what God will do with you. How many of you want an attitude of prayer? I want it every day, every night. I want it to be on my mind. It'll keep me in check when I start to walk off if I'm in that attitude of prayer. God, this doesn't please you. I'm not going. I'm not doing it. Amen. So with that in mind, I'll see you tomorrow night at 7 o'clock for prayer meeting. I love and appreciate you in Jesus' name. Be dismissed. May the Lord richly bless you.